Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. We just got back from camp. <clears throat> Praise God for camp. Glad you made it. I have a word for you. I actually have another message for next Sunday if you want me to preach next Sunday. Okay. <laughs> actually, next Sunday's is better than this Sunday's, but today's really good. We've been in a series of prayer. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We must understand how the kingdom works. The kingdom works in communication through prayer. If we neglect prayer, we neglect our very duty as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. I was, uh, I don't, I like to watch baseball because it's slow. I was watching a game this week and the Yankees were playing the White Sox. And uh, if you happen to tune in, it was a special game based upon a movie called The Field of Dreams. And if you ever saw, which I'm sure all of you have, how they come out of the cornfield and how it's just idyllic and how they make this this just something else and the question of the movie is is this heaven? So they reproduced it this week and they built a stadium just for this game. It's been in the making for two years. They built it amongst the corn, 150 acres of corn in Dyersville, Iowa. All the cameras are there, teams are there, 8,000 people show up. They come out of the corn, camera pans, and there's the question, is this heaven? No. You see, I'm gonna talk to you today about a topic of prayer that I want you to catch. This is heaven. They can project and manufacture and do things that make us really feel good. And I, I enjoy that. I, I, I would have liked to have been there, actually. But I would rather be here today than there. Why? Because this is closer to heaven than that is. Here we are. This morning, I wanna, I'm going to go through three or four topics. I'm going to tell you a story. And we're going to see how we can pray better. How many of you want to pray better? I do. Every day, Lord, help me to pray. Help me to understand it. The one thing the disciples asked God, Jesus, for was teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us to teach, teach us to heal. No, teach us to pray. 
in prayer, this is my topic for the day, my thesis, in prayer, we are calling forth God's desires. Genesis 1.1 says, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness and inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. You may think that's out of the message, but you may think, what in the world are you getting to? At times I feel like I'm in this. And all I can do is in, in prayer is just agree. I just agree with God. I just agree, God, you've already got your plans and purposes. I'm just agreeing with you, Lord. And in these times, I feel as though I become the very womb of God. Let me explain that. John 7, 38 says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The phrase innermost being comes from a Greek word, koilia. It means womb. This scripture, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his womb will flow rivers of living water. We are the womb of God. In our prayers and intercessions, we are creating and birthing the things of heaven. That's why he says, when you pray, you've said this all the time, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, we're, we're to pray heaven out of heaven onto the earth. So in our prayers and intercessions, we are, we are creating, we're birthing. Oh, I wish I could get the next Sunday's message now. We carry the life of the kingdom in us. And it will flow out of us through our prayers. You see, when we were in the presence of God today, there's nothing like the presence. And when we go into God's presence, we tap into the realm of heaven. We position ourselves to receive great breakthrough. It comes out of the presence. But don't go before God with your own agenda. Uh, we need to partner with God, not handcuff God. Intercession is, and prayers are just the fruit of being with God. Did you get that? I go into his presence to love him and to experience spirit to spirit. At times it feels like you pick up the same heartbeat as God. In fact, I felt that this morning in worship I felt God was putting his heart beside ours because your heart had stopped beating. This is for somebody today. It's a prophetic word. Your heart is cold. It stopped beating. But today the Holy Spirit, by God's work, put his heart beside you. And when his heart touched your heart, your heart started beating again. I saw it in the Spirit. Boom. Start it all over. You see, it's in the presence that we gain life. And so, out of our presence, time comes our prayer time. Second Corinthians 120, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. In other words, God is saying, I'll give a yes, you give a yes, and we'll see a breakthrough. God's yes together with our yes 
is what brings about breakthrough in prayer. So we've got to be in his presence. Can you say amen? That's the first point. You've got to, you've got to move into God's presence. Now, I, can I just tell you, today it's a lot, I'm older than most of you. Today it's a lot easier to get into his presence than it was when I was a kid. We've got, we've got iTunes, we've got, you've got worship songs from all over, from Hillsong and from Elevation and, you know, the list goes on. And you can just turn on, if, if, you, if you don't know anything about that, it's a great, it's a great tool. <laughs> turn on worship and see what God does in you. It's easy to get quickly into the presence of God. So we need to understand prayer comes out of the presence. Secondly, intercessors must learn to be on the offensive. We are the offensive team. That's why it says in uh, Matthew chapter 16, 18, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What does that mean? Gates don't move. It's the church that moves. Church moves against the gates. We must play from a place of victory, not defeat. And if, if you always play defense, then you will always be trying to protect what God has given you from the devil's plans or worse by running after the devil and trying to figure out what he's doing. Offensive teams call the plays. They have confidence they're going to win. Our job as intercessors is to take the land and not to run around after the enemy trying to steal the ball from him. You see, the devil already lost the ball at Calvary. He doesn't have it. We must listen for the plays that the Lord is calling and pray them in so the team can catch the ball, make the touchdown, and win victories. We're not to spend all of our time worrying about the enemy's strategies. I'm, 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 I'm going to hit you here in the next few minutes. Our job is to find out what God wants to do and then begin to pray what God wants. That's our job. That's what we are as kingdom ambassadors. Don't allow the enemy to bring distractions. And for Pete's sake, don't partner with fear. Ephesians 4.14 is a result we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Fear has a way of coming up and biting you. Can I just say the greatest, the greatest enemy we have in the world right now is fear. The news media, fear. Entertainment, fear. Everything is fear, fear, fear. You've got to stop giving in to fear. The reason why you, you give in to fear, you're reading too much about it. You're not in the word. I'm sorry, I'm a daddy talking to you now. Get out of that newspaper and get into the word. Get off those social media activity things and get in the word. CYAers? Amen. Come on. There, there's, of course, there's, there's good things in that, but isn't it interesting? God said in the garden, they could have, he, he only warned them of one thing. They could have eaten of the tree of life. He didn't say don't eat of the tree of life. But he said don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of the knowledge of good? In other words, you can eat of good and it's not God's best. 
and it will kill you. Okay. You guys are thinking a little bit. You know, at times everything seems to be going great and, and you're walking in peace and all of a sudden, fear comes up. Tries to surround you and tries to destroy you and your peace. We must make a choice to resist fear. Fear is a spirit. You've not been given the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So don't partner with fear. The devil has legal rights only if we agree with him. The tool he uses against us is fear. He does not play fair and he always goes for your weak spots and your soft spots. Proverbs 3.25 says this, Do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but over the past year and a half, two years, I often sit back and think about the world and what's really going on. What's really going on. What you see is not what's really going on. Why are world events happening? What's the root? There's always a root. What is making things go the way they're going? When I look at the world, I, I, I see the devil's plan. It's actually a very simple plan. The root is fear. All the devil has to do is make sure that you walk in fear and he's defeated you. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to have faith to please God. If you have fear, you can't have faith because the two cannot work together. You either have faith or fear. And so, if you have faith, then all of your responses and reactions will be from the place of fear. Do you know the most repeated command in the Bible? Do not fear. Do not fear. Why did God say it 365 times? Because he wants you to do it every day. You know, when I look, when I'm in the presence of God and I look at the world, everything changes. I'm happy. I'm at peace. I realize God's in control. All the things that I don't care what president, what dictator, uh, what person in control says or does, God has the last word. Jeremiah, come on, I'm telling you, church, we got to stand up and start saying what God says. If we do it, the world would change. Number, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. It's a good scripture. He wants to give you a future and a hope. He has thoughts about you. So as intercessors and prayers, as kingdom ambassadors, we need to be focused in our prayers and on, our strat on God's strategies. Listen for the plays that God calls and be an offensive prayer. Can you say amen? amen? The next thing I have here is we need to hit the mark. So we get in the presence of God. We need to be on the offense and we need to hit the mark. One of the meanings for intercession is strike the mark. Strike the mark. It's the Hebrew word paga, P-A-G-A. Paga means to meet, means to meet. And it's a kind of a violent meeting. When you intercede and ask God to do something, he might violently take you for your word. In other words, he, put th he puts things in motion. 
So we have this. In fact, Job 36, 22, interesting scripture. It says he covers his hands with lightning and commands it to strike the mark or paga. Boy, that's a, that means to meet with authority and sometimes violence. Paul knew how to live an offensive strike the mark lifestyle. He knew that human reason is not a good kingdom plan. Not a lot of revival goes on with human wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now this is Paul. Theologian Paul. Intellectual Paul. He says, I'm not going to change anyone or anything by my persuasive words. It's got to be the Spirit of God. That's what he's saying. He knew that good and great things would come as a result of walking in power. And then he goes on later in the chapter and he says, when you're walking in this kind of light, he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So God reveals to us things through his spirit. If you dive into the spirit of God, we can know what is in the heart of God. That's why I, I come to church. I don't want to miss church because I don't want to miss what God is saying. I don't want to miss my times with God because I don't want to miss what he's saying. I want to know what God is, is doing and saying. We are in a spirit fight. And we must hit the mark with our prayers. What do I mean by that? We're pushing against a worldly mindset right now. I'm shocked at how many Christians have given in to the worldly mindset. It's humanistic. It's self-focused. It's, it's carnal. It's, it's not set on the things of God. Jesus would break that mindset by praying, preaching, teaching, healing the sick, and performing miracles. That's what we need to do in church. Heal the sick, perform miracles, let the Holy Spirit move, preach, and teach. That's why in Romans 12, 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've got to be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. That's the word metamorpho. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your soul. So when our attention is fixed on him, we are able to see his will more clearly, have a heavenly mindset, and be and have spiritual breakthrough. But the next thing you have to understand, you have to know the signs of the times. You still with me? In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, an interesting scripture, and we, we quote it a lot. It says, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do, their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command. Now, it says, with knowledge of what Israel should do. In other words, the sons of Issachar had a plan. They knew what was going on, but they had a plan. As believers, we should know what's really going on, but we should have a plan. How do we know the plan? God will give us the plan and the strategies, and he will teach us what to say and how to pray. They not only understood the times, but they also knew what to do about the times in which they lived. I love this. Now, who was Issachar? Issachar was the son of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was the son of Jacob. Now watch this. 
Jake, in uh, Genesis chapter 49, Jacob blesses every son and he gives a prophetic word over everyone. Issachar's blessing, a prophetic word, was this. It said he would have strength, rest between burdens, a pleasant land, and he would have life as a burden bearer. In a commentary I found, it said Issachar was to be basically docile, accepting a happy, quiet life in Canaan. They were politically insightful, switching allegiance from Saul to David. They didn't live a stressful life, but were a happy people, enjoying their God-given land. Their lives were free from worry and stress, and they knew how to be happy. I want to be a son of his car. Think about it. No anxiety. Why? Because they knew the plans of God and they knew what to do. Wow. We must be like the sons of Issachar. Now, many people request prayer for me. And I get prayer requests all the time. And what happens is I would say a good portion of them have a spirit of fear attached to the prayer request. I will never accept a prayer request that has fear attached to it. I have to break off the spirit of fear. So I ask God, Lord, how, how do I pray for this crisis and for, for this direction? I've got to stay focused on God and not the crisis. Can I just, that's a good word for you today. Always stay focused on God and not the crisis. And when you move your prayers into fear, you can't get a clear handle on how to pray. We must be like the sons of Issachar. We must understand and know what to do because we know the plans of heaven because we've been in his presence. Now, let me tell you a story, a great story. 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. This is the story of King Hezekiah. And uh, he was coming against the great Assyrian army. Assyria at that time was led by King Sennacherib. And he began moving south uh, with his army, taking city after city after city. He was quickly approaching Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was next on the list to be overthrown. So Sennacherib sends a letter to King Hezekiah. 2 Kings 18.35 says, Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? He's basically saying, Hey, you, you're next. I'm coming to get you. When Hezekiah heard this, the Bible says this. He tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and goes right into the house of the Lord. That's a good plan. Right into God's presence. There's a crisis. How many times do we talk to people about our crisis and don't talk to God about the crisis? Next, he sends a scribe, elders, and priests to the prophet Isaiah. Another good plan. Isaiah hears from God. And sends the prophetic word back to the king. 2 Kings 19.6 says, Thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. This is a good word for all of you today. Do not listen to the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. That's pretty good. So, King Sennacherib, during that time, 
sends a letter filled with threats to King Hezekiah. So he's getting, they're going back and forth. And uh, Sennacherib sends another letter. In this letter, he tries to cause more fear. He says, thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by utterly destroying them and shall be delivered. Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom, whom my fathers have destroyed? And then he goes on a list of everyone they, they, they destroyed and took over. Watch what Hezekiah does. This is good. <laughs> Second Kings 19, 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread the letter out before the Lord. Whoa. Hezekiah does a prophetic spiritual act and lays this threatening letter before the presence of God. He reminds God of who he is. Not that God needs a reminder, but we need to agree with that. And he asks God to come through for his city, Jerusalem. And he says this, 2 Kings 19, 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God and you alone. Isaiah then sends back to King Hezekiah and tells him, that because he had prayed against Sennacherib of Assyria, God had heard him and would answer. One prophetic act brought forth an answer that destroyed an entire empire. It spoke into the invisible realm, and this prophetic act came against a great, this great demonic empire. Second Kings 19.35, look what happens. Look what happens. Come on, people. Look what happens. This, here's one king laying out the message of the, of the enemy before God. Says, God, what are you going to do about it? I think we need to come into the house of the Lord more like that. We need to present to God the, the words and the plans of the enemy. Lay it out. Say, God, what are you going to do about it? You'll see what we're going to do in just a few minutes. Look at, look at what happens, though. 2 Kings 19.35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. One angel. One angel. One angel. 185 Assyrian soldiers. And we, when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses. All dead. I find that almost humorous at the end. There were the corpses. All dead. Have you ever seen a corpse not dead? God was trying to emphasize something. He's trying to say, when I do dead, it's dead. <laughs> this is a story of living on the offensive and staying focused on the ways of God and presenting to God your, your needs and not just presenting it to everybody. You know, how many times do we just complain about situations that we don't go in the presence of God? Hezekiah knew the importance of being with God in his presence. Now, it takes great Courage to stay the course. I'm going to tell you a story. I had to do this several years ago. In fact, you would be shocked at the onslaught that pastors take. I never tell you. You've never known. But 25, 26 years ago, a guy comes up to me in a service like this, hands me the keys to the camp, Faith Heights, and said, the camp is yours. Now, 
He didn't tell me there was a lien on the camp. So we had to go through two or three years of legal assault to maintain that camp. We won. Then about seven or eight years later, a man comes into my office here at the church under false pretenses. He walks into the door, and all of a sudden my spirit just began to, this is an evil man. And he demanded that we give the camp to him. And he gave the reasons. I don't want to go into all the things, but my spirit rose up. So I went and laid it out before the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm getting tired of legal assaults, all these lawsuits. What am I to do? Very clearly, he said, this is your inheritance. Fight for it and it will be yours. That video today, that was the inheritance. Come on. Paxton, you were there. You saw. It was the inheritance because we fought it on God's terms, not the devil's terms. Stay the course. Take courage. We win. I read the last chapter. Is God your plan A or is he plan B or C? When we pray from the offensive lifestyle, our prayers are strong and mighty because we spent time with God and he has stamped on our hearts who we are. Then we can implement his strategies. That's why prayer is so powerful, so needed. It comes out of the love relationship with God. I, wa I want to talk just a few minutes and then we're going to close. I'm going to go to one scripture. I want to talk about the three realms. There are three realms that are mentioned in the Bible, or three, it talks about three heavens. The word realm means a region, sphere, or area. The first realm is the realm that you can see with your eyes. It's the physical realm. It's the first heaven is the earthly realm, or what you can see right now. It's our bodies, our homes, it's, it's our cities, uh, all this earthly realm. The second realm is the demonic and angelic realm where they war with each other. Who's they? Enemy, devil, God and his angelic uh, forces. It says in Revelation 14, 6, and I saw another angel flying in the midheaven. Mid What's that? That's the second heaven. That's the second realm. Daniel 10, 13 talks about that Michael had to come and defeat the enemy in the second heaven. The third realm is where the glory of God is. It's the beauty realm. Paul call, calls the third heaven paradise. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And then he says he heard inexpressible words. Well, the reason why he knew all a bit about this is because it was him. He was talking about him going to heaven and paradise. The third realm is where the believer should live. We should live from a place of victory, we should live knowing and partnering with the strategy of God. We should live in the presence of God. For Ephesians 2, 6 says, God has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that physically we are in the third realm, but spiritually we are. We can live there through our prayers and our worship and our interaction with God. And when intercessors get stuck in the first realm, they are preoccupied with logic and reason. Prayers become focused on what seems logical. 
Some intercessors and prayers get in, and believers get stuck in the second realm. And this realm is the dark and the demonic, which produces hopelessness and doom and fear. And you get all wrapped up in fighting the enemy. Prayers come up from a place of fear and no hope here. When you watch or read the news, you've, been, you've just been made aware of the first realm. Don't spend too much time in that realm. It will overwhelm you and bring fear to you. You've got to spend more time in the, in the third realm so it overcomes the second and first realm. You, you just have to. You've got to. And as believers, you're being called up. You're, you're being called higher. So we, we, you cannot begin, if, if, you, if you work in the second realm, you will see the demonic realm and you think something bad is coming and you feel pressure and it feels like you're chasing after the devil. It seems like the whole world is, is, is falling apart around you if you're in the second realm. Can I just say this? The devil doesn't mind you, doesn't even mind letting you know his schemes and strategies if it will distract you from what heaven is doing and saying. We need to be focused on the third realm. Then we pray out of that. For if we pray out of fear, we will not receive a heavenly answer. It's okay to know what's going on in the first realm, but it's not okay to live spiritually in the first realm. I need to say, Lord, what are you doing? Here's when you know you're not living in the third realm. When the problem you have starts to look bigger than the answer you know you are not in the third realm. If the problem starts to look bigger than the answer, you know you're not in the third realm. I want to close with this. I hope you're following me today. Psalm 7, I want to go to Psalm 70, 73 as we close. Psalm 73, 2 and 3. This is interesting. The psalmist is kind of caught in this vortex and he doesn't know what's going on. You'll see this in the scripture as I, as I read it and denote it. In verse 2 it says, But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Which realm was he in? He was in the first realm. He was focusing on the first realm. The psalmist was seeing through this first level, the physical realm. Then in verses 16 and 17, something changes. Look at verse 16. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Not until he goes into the sanctuary of God's presence does he understand what will happen to his enemies. If you're, if you're just all uh, in anxious and anxiety and fear and you're pondering everything that's going on in the world, you got to get out of the first realm, out of the second realm, and into the third realm. See what God is doing because God has a plan to defeat them. He does. He's already got a plan. You just need to hear it. Today, God's sanctuary is within us. We are the temple of the living God. Psalm 73, 21 says this, when my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You've taken hold of my right hand and with your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. See how his whole demeanor changed from the first realm to the third realm by the end of the psalm. You can see his heart and his change. And you can see that his understanding changed in the third realm. Your perspective changes. It has to. Everything of weaker value that comes into the realm of God gets discarded. It is of no importance. All you want now is him. You know, in in these times, it's not necessary that the problems go away, but that you have a heavenly outlook and understand that God has it all under control and he will take care of our enemies. And this is also the place of authority for the believer. We're seated in heavenly places. It is the place of enforcement of Christ's accomplishment at Calvary. And I close with this thought. Simple thought. To tell you to do something? Simple thought. Go with this today. Look up before you look down. Look up before you look down. We're looking up, we're going to see how, what God sees. And God has an answer for everything. Can I say it again? God has an answer for everything. There's no, there's no problem in this room. God doesn't have an answer for and hasn't already dealt with. There's warehouses in heaven just waiting for your prayers. They might be released. Wow. I want to do something. I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray. Jesus. We're going to do, we're going to close this service a little different. We're we're going to start worshiping. We're going to spend a few minutes just in worship. I want you just to uh, get in the best place you can to worship. Sit, stand, walk, come up to the front, wherever it's best for you. I'm going to pray that we're going to worship and let you spend time in God's presence just for a few minutes. Father, we pray the canopy of God's presence and goodness would now fall upon this room. Change our hearts as we worship you. Give us new perspective and divine understanding. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.